Welcome into episode 18 of the 2020 Gump Runners podcast. Jay Storm, Lester Mitchell, and Jeremy Law coming at you. Um, national championship game is, well, tomorrow when, as we're recording this, and it's going to be today. If you're listening to this, we'll be dropping this on Monday morning, the day of the national championship game, January 11th. Guys, what's going on, man? How hype are we? Jay Law, start with you. Hey, it's do or die time, right? We've been waiting on this one since uh, we lost. I guess since we beat Georgia the last go around, last time we were in the uh, one and natty. So looking forward to it. Big game, good squad are going up against Alabama and Ohio State. Couldn't ask for a bigger helmet game. So ready, ready to get into it. Ready to break it down. Guess the uh, some awesome some other big news real quick. We're going to do this first and get it out of the way. But I'd be ashamed of myself if I didn't mention the way that the basketball team is playing. And, you know, I mean, we call ourselves gump runners. We're not fogs. We're not football-only gumps. We pay attention to all sports. We're very knowledgeable about all sports at the University of Alabama and um, and really around the SEC as well. But uh, lesser this basketball team, 4-0 in SEC play, first time since, like, 1987. Um, they, and, the, and the teams that they beat, I mean, the SEC is loaded this year. They go up to Knoxville, beat Tennessee, then beat Florida at home, then go to Auburn Arena. Sharif Cooper gets eligible late Friday night, um, just like we all know he would. We've been calling this for months that he was going to sit until they played Alabama because basically that's their national championship this year. They they, they self-imposed a one-year bowl – or one-year bowl ban – a one-year um, postseason ban, and uh, so they're, they're not going to any tournaments. And so the only way they can salvage the season is by beating Alabama twice, or at least splitting with them. So they clear Sharif, Alabama goes, hard-fought game, tough game, um, and then they, they get the win at Auburn, the first one since 2015. So the team's 4-0. Lester, talk about what this basketball team has been able to do over the last week and a half. These guys, they are learning to play with each other. Beginning of the season, it was kind of a scramble. Guys didn't know where they fit in exactly. Um, had the Petty and the Rojas incident. And ever since that happened, these guys are playing lights out in SEC play. Look, before this upcoming year, I, I get it hasn't really been proven this year, but in the past 10 years of Alabama basketball, they lose that game to Auburn 99 times out of 100. They're not going to stay re- stay resilient, stay focused. They're, they wouldn't beat that team that's charging back at them like that. We've seen it so many times. But that win was a statement win for Nate Oates, more than any he's had here at Alabama. On the road against your rival, they are storming back at you, and that team stayed down. They stay composed and they won that ball game, which is really important and it's uh, really exciting for Bama going forward. Yeah, um, it's and that's what Nate Oates said actually in his post game press conference. That was one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, he said I'm sure our fans probably thought that we were going to lose that game for a long time and and I mean it was there in my mind, but just you know the way the team's been playing um, really. And making free throws down the stretch has still been a problem for Alabama. Even in the games that they've won, um, you know, you, you could have easily seen some bigger margins in those in those wins that they would have just connected at the free throw line late in the game. And um, I think Alabama did a, a much better job of that. I think they shot like 
84, 80, or 83% at the free throw line, which was huge in this game and turned out to be the, you know, the deciding factor in it. Um, J-Law, you know, beating Tennessee and Auburn on the road, talk about what that does just for the confidence as a team, like just to, just to prove to yourselves, basically. I mean, not even everybody else, just to prove to yourself because you've never been able to do it, to prove to yourself that this team can go on the road and win big-time matchups. Yeah, a lot of people would say, well, Auburn's 0-3 in conference. Uh, you, you should win that game. And I'd agree with that. But I, as soon as they cleared Sharif, I told y'all, Alabama has no film on how these guys will play with Sharif Cooper. Is it? I mean, you didn't know if it was going to be high ball screen, pick and roll, what it was going to look like. And you're coming to that game blind because they played a completely different style of basketball. Because you got to remember, Powell, their other, their other guy that plays one, he likes to shoot a lot of threes. So you have to, I mean, you, you have to meet him 30 feet from the basket or he'll fire some up. Tough to get into that game plan with Sharif, but man, so impressive. So you already beaten with Sharif. I still think Auburn is a top five roster in the SEC. That guy's a first round caliber lotto draft pick, I think, in next year's draft. But you've beaten Tennessee on the road, you've beaten Auburn on the road, you take care of Ole Miss, and you take care of Florida at home. So Alabama's got some confidence rolling into next week. Now you play Kentucky. That's tough. And guys, it really doesn't get much easier. Alabama's first nine conference games are all losable games. They're 4-0. I think if they can get to the 6-3, and 7-2 and two mark, so over their next five, if they go 2-3 and three or 3-2, three and two, I still think you're just ecstatic over what they've been able to do over the first nine or ten conference games because this is a tough slate. Like you said, Chase, it's loaded. And even in the Auburn game, NATO wants to shoot four out of ten from three. I mean, he wants to make 40%. So if you're telling me that they're shooting sub-33 missing horribly you're getting every shot at the rim blocked and you're still able to score in the 90s and beat a really what will be a, a good Auburn team on the road by the time the year finishes I think Nados will take that all day because this album is just not going to shoot that poorly with Petty and Shaq in a lot of basketball games this year do you, do you think that this year with with code situation and the fans and being such limited, you know, of course the excuse that Auburn fans will make, well, if it's a packed out jungle, then, you know, that, that has an effect on the game and we end up winning or whatever. And I, and I agree with that to an extent because, I mean, it is, it is tougher. I mean, because you can't even hear yourself think. Whenever there's nobody there, you can hear everything on your court on the court. You can hear your teammates. You can hear your coaches, even though they're yelling through mass over there. Just how much of a how much of a difference is that going to be, um, whether it's playing on the road and in, in tournament play at the end of the season? Yeah, well, for Alabama, and I'll let Lester answer this too. For Alabama, you've over the last decade you've struggled down the stretch at the free throw line, so that's especially on the road. You haven't shot the three ball on the road well. Now you're just kind of in the. It feels like open gym. That's what it really feels like. So when you're going down the stretch of the season. And you're a team like Alabama where you want to shoot a lot of threes. And when you go to the rim, you really, yeah, you want to make shots, but you want to get fouled. You want to live at the free throw line. Tell the stretch of this year with no fans in the stands. Clear your mind. Shoot the free throws. And listen, the, the crowd, for me, in basketball, it is so tough to win on the road. We've seen that over the last four or five years with Alabama. We're sometimes just so good at home. And you go to Auburn Arena, Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU. It's just so hard to win on the road. And then these open gyms, man. Uh, anything can happen. And Auburn probably does win that game if there's 9,000 
scream at Auburn fans, and it really is welcome to the jungle. But on a quote-unquote neutral floor two times this year, Alabama will be the better basketball team in the state. Uh, Lester, J-Law, <clears throat> on, a, on a podcast that he was a part of that unfortunately he is no longer a part of that I'm going to miss dearly. Um, I think you believe, and J-Law might need some clarification on this. I believe J-Law called Alabama to start two and three in SEC play in their first five. Was that what it was? And so now Alabama's sitting there at 4-0. I believe J-Law needs another negative prediction to keep it going. Am I right? <laughs> I think you're right. Look, hey, that prediction wasn't far-fetched. I think I don't think for anybody um, to begin the season, nobody expected this team to come out and go 4-0, and but, but here we are. We're loving it. I mean, from everything that's going on thus far in the season, there's a lot of panic. But the underlying numbers stated that the, that the team was much better than what they were. I think Alabama had 88 possessions, which was the second most in the NCAA this year in the game. Um, number one was 89 between two teams. But Nate Oates is playing ball the way that he wants to now. Look, once these guys get to a point where they're knocking down four threes, it's going to be real ugly for some teams. Alabama easily could have scored over 100. Uh, against Auburn. Yeah, let's uh, let, let's hope they continue. Like J-Law mentioned, you've got to go to Rupp Arena um, on Tuesday, I believe, at 8 o'clock. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be a packed-out Rupp Arena, which will make it a little bit easier for the Tide. Then you come home to um, a very good Arkansas team to play on Saturday. Um, so let's uh, let's see if Alabama can keep it rolling. Auburn, by the way, in case I didn't mention, they are now 0-4 in the SEC and at the, at the very bottom of the league. Um, but yeah, look for them. We, you know, we talked we talked in our group text about it about how we think Auburn probably end up around five hundred in the SEC. It would not surprise me if they get to nine and nine and end up five hundred. But the big news of the day, big news of the last week or so between most Alabama fans is the national championship game, Alabama versus Ohio State, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. We do have a gump runner in the city. You know, one of the Gump Runners didn't. I think we've had a Gump Runner in every national championship. Am I right? And so, uh, and so, yeah, our, our buddy Drew, um, he hasn't been on the podcast, but we're working on it. I haven't given up hope on him yet. But he uh, he is in he is in Miami, him and his wife, and they're down there, and he's sending us pictures and sending us text. Actually, right now, talking about everybody that's walking into his restaurant while he's eating Greg Byrne and and Barrett Jones and all and all these. Uh, players, parents, and all this stuff. So um, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama right now sitting at around an eight-point favorite. It's anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half, depending on what book you look at out in Vegas. Uh, Justin Fields with the busted ribs, the COVID issues. There's talk about Ohio State maybe being down two backup defensive linemen and two kickers, um, which would lead to some will or some true freshman. I'm doing the punting and kicking duties, which might play a factor in the game. I'm not sure about the backup linemen because I'm unaware of how much they actually played. But um, depth could be an issue there as well. J-Law, just talk about the COVID situation first and just about how that may affect Ohio State or if you even think it would affect them at all. Well, let's start by saying that if it's only four or five guys, then this wasn't a COVID outbreak. And I think you can start to question 
whether or not this was a COVID issue or a Justin Fields is hurt issue because nobody in college football is, that we know of has canceled a game because they had a couple of guys get COVID. But um, depth in this game could be key. You got to stop Najee Harris if Alabama starts running a lot of plays and you're shuffling um, defensive linemen in and out who are the number one guys that get shuffled. You don't shuffle out a lot of linebackers. You don't shuffle out a lot of corners and safeties. You shuffle out the big guys up front and let them catch a breather. So if there's a if you go from first string to third string because two backup guys right there in the middle, you know, uh, are are not traveling with the team and not on the field, that could be tough for Ohio State. Kicking, if any fan base knows anything about punting and kicking, it's Alabama, and we know how important that is. Also, uh, shout out Riker should have won the Groza. We love that guy, but you know we know how important that is. But outside of that. Man, this is two good teams going at it. The more I watch Ohio State go back and look at their games this year, they have so many flashes of being a dominant team. Now, obviously against Clemson, but in, in some other games when they got up big over Indiana and let Indiana back. But when when they're good, guys, I'll say this, when they're good, they look just as good as Alabama. Now, they've had way more lows than Alabama, but their highs are right there with it. Um, I don't know where we want to start breaking down this game. Uh, we could keep talking about COVID, and we can keep talking about Justin Fields being hurt. If Fields is on the field, I know Saban's going to treat him like he's 100%. So, uh, man, there's a lot to get into in this one. It's a, it's a truly an exciting matchup, and I think this is a, uh, a helmet matchup that's worthy of the college football playoff for sure. Yeah, Lester, uh, we talked a little bit on the last podcast about what are the chances that we see that same Ohio State team that played against Clemson? Because, look, honestly, guys, I was thinking about this today. There's like maybe 50% of me believes that Alabama will win the game by, let's say, 10 or less. Um, that I think the game will get to the fourth quarter. There'll be a lot of back and forth, a lot of scoring there's about a 40% chance that tells me that Ohio State can win a close game in the same situation, you know, back and forth, Ohio State pulls away late, maybe a turnover, you know, whatever. But then I don't, I don't know why. And I'm not one to think like this. The people that know me know that I'm not, I, I'm, I don't make predictions like this. And by no means am I making a prediction, but there's a small, small sliver like 10% of me thinks that Alabama could blow this game out and that they can win somewhere like a 45 to 24 type game, maybe like an A&M score. Um, and so Lester, and, and the reason I say that is because Ohio state has played, I think seven games and they played one outstanding game. They played one game and all of a sudden, and, that, and in that game, it was a revenge game. They had emotion. They rallied around their quarterback getting hurt. Um, and then they took advantage of a weak offensive line from Clemson, I think, really breaking down that game. Um, I was unaware going into the game that Clemson was 10th in the ACC in rushing. Um, their offensive line did not do a good job. They just had an outstanding quarterback and, um, and outstanding receivers. And they played a bunch of lackluster teams that really couldn't push the ball downfield. And um, <clears throat> so their defense hadn't really seen an offense like that. And I think Alabama's has. I mean, they've seen explosive offenses on the ground, which is Ole Miss. And they've seen explosive offenses through the air like Florida. Now, granted, they didn't stop either one of those. But at least they have film to watch them. At least 
the players have seen both sides of it. Now, Ohio State can do both. They're, they're the most balanced team that Alabama has faced this year. And I'm not saying they're a bad team, but what I'm saying is you saw the Northwestern game in the Big Ten Championship. You saw the Indiana game. It, it's, it is possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. There's a small chance that Ohio State can get run in this game. Lester, tell me, tell me how you're feeling about it. And with the COVID situations and, and everything, just give me, give me a base of how you're feeling about this game. I kind of feel like you do. I kind of think that this game can go either way, a huge blowout or a close game. But one thing that I do love and – that's giving me a little bit, little bit of confidence going into this game is, like you said, with Florida and Ole Miss, Alabama will be prepared for anything that Ohio State will throw at them. You know, Ohio State, I mean, Ole Miss and the Florida games, they have showed us that Alabama can win a shootout, and they will go toe-to-toe with any offense that, that um, Nick Saban's defense goes against. My key for this game is it's the defense. I need the defense to get three or four stops. And I'm not talking about, you know, turnovers or anything like that. By three or four stops, I mean, let's get, let's make them kick a field goal twice. Let's make them punt twice. Whatever you can do to stop them from, stop them from scoring a touchdown. We can deal with three, we can deal with the punt but let's stop them from scoring a touchdown. Now, I believe that I don't think that anybody in the country can stop this offense. So if the defense can get us a couple stops, a couple punts, a couple field goals here and there, and, and, and even the special team situation, like you said, is iffy since they got guys dealing with COVID, but just a couple stops, and I believe this offense can go with anybody. They'll win yeah, it for that's us. That's a big thing. That's a big thing with that kicker that you were talking about. I mean, if they do have a guy who is a true freshman. Now, this came off of an Ohio State board. It was sent to me. I don't know the valid- validity of this. But if that is the case, if they do have just one guy punting and kicking and kicking off, um, and he is a true freshman, you know, a, a stop in the red zone on the 15-yard line could be huge. For Alabama, if they have kind of a bend, don't break kind of defense and they get inside the 20 where that field um, shrinks on them and they're able to hold them out of the end zone and they're forced to kick, you know, 30, 35, 40-yard field goals two or three times, I mean, there's a good chance in a big pressure situation, even though it's not going to be a packed house once again, it's a big pressure game. And if you got a guy that hadn't kicked a lot this year, then, you know, those nerves could stay with him throughout the entire game. 100%, 100%, man, 100%. And, and if anybody knows about a kicking game, how quick that will tank a game real, real quickly, is Alabama fans. So maybe it'll be nice from the other end of that for once. J-Law, um, one thing that um, is being talked about today, we discussed a little bit, Malachi Moore is still questionable for this game. Probably will not play. Nick Saban says that, LeBron, LeBron Ray is more probable than Malachi Moore. Um, still never really got an injury update on him. I guess he tweaked something in the Florida game. It's kind of been nagging at him. They said maybe a quad or a hamstring. I'm not really sure what it is. So he's questionable to play in this game. Brian Branch is most likely to replace him like he did against Notre Dame. Tell me the impact that this could have on the game, if any. And nah, I mean, you got a young Minka out of the game, right? I mean, this guy, right place, right time, got burned a couple times against Florida. But outside of that, man, he played a, a flawless, you know, 10 games. So 
I don't. Uh, it's it's tough when you look at a guy that was good enough to go out there and start game number one against Missouri as a true freshman. Play. I mean, I guess he almost. I guess started quote unquote every every game depending on what formation that we ran out there in. But I mean, he's a starter on this team on a defense that can sometimes look absolutely lost. Um, uh, so without without Malachi, yeah, you can plug in Branch, but you know Branch was already playing a lot too. Sometimes he was on the field with Malachi, so now you're looking around Daniel Wright, Helms back there in the back end with Jordan Battle. So I mean, you you lose a lot with this guy. He has a nose for the football, interception in the Iron Bowl. Um, he had an interception against Georgia. Had a fumble recovery. He had a strip and a fumble recovery for a touchdown against Tennessee. He's a guy who who has a knack for forcing a turnover and making a big play. So when you miss out on him, that's going to be tough. Now, Alabama does get some much-needed help back on the defensive line, right? Because they're going to need it. Ohio State's offensive line is good. They like to run the football. They're going to need to get guys in and out. And LeBron Ray, if he can go, I still think he's a uh, a really, really good SEC defensive lineman. Not dominant, but just gives you some much-added depth. So you'd love to have Malachi. You'd like getting LeBron Ray back. But man, like Lester said, I think this is this is on the offense. They've shown you against Ole Miss that you know if if it comes to a point where we know we can't punt, we know we can go down the field and score. Against Florida, when it counted, you have a bad third quarter where you go out and you dominate the fourth quarter offensively and you win that game. So um, I think offensively for Alabama, you've got to keep your foot on the gas. Don't pull a don't pull a Notre Dame. Don't pull a third quarter versus Florida. Get a couple stops on defense. And I'm right there with you, Chase. I think there is much more of a chance that Alabama blows Ohio State out than Ohio State winning the game. I, th- I really do think that there's probably a 20% chance, just like Clemson and LSU last year, where you're thinking Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, defend the national champions. This Alabama team is just like LSU last year, guys. I mean, they really are. Receivers, weapons all over the place. Uh, Heisman winner, not at the quarterback position, but the Davey O'Brien. This is LSU from last year with just a different cast. And I think they have a really good chance of going into this game and winning it at a 48-27 type of type of score. Yeah, uh, Lester, speaking on Malachi still, you know, it's very important when he plays at that star position, which mainly you cover the slot guy um, in, in a nickel defense and – and what you also have to do that people don't talk about enough and that Malachi is really good at is whenever you read run, getting off your block and not allowing that running back to bounce the ball outside. I think Alabama can win on the interior part of the line of scrimmage. I, I like DJ Dale. I like Barmore against their interior offensive line. I like Moses and Harrison there making plays. Um, the problem is, is that Dylan Moses and Christian Harris, for the most part, will, will get sealed real quick, whether that's by a tight end or a tackle working up on them off a double team or whatever it is. And when that happens, it's very important for your star and your safety to be coming downhill and take the bounce away from the running back. And Trey Sermon has, you know, he, he likes to do that. Now, he will bust you inside, but whenever that's clogged up, he does have great vision and great footwork to be able to you know, scat to the outside, the outer part of the line of scrimmage. And so you also have to close that down as well. So if Brian Branch does play for Malachi, I don't think he's as physical. So do you think that Alabama has the potential to get hurt in that, in that part of the run game? Uh, I'm not sure. I think that solely depends on 
how well the front four plays. Can those guys can they can they win their blocks against Ohio State's offensive line? And I believe they can. If they can do that, and they can keep our linebackers clean, keep them free, and allow them to make plays, then hey, I don't think that we'll need Brian Branch to be such a force in the run game. Look, if your defensive backs are tackling the other team's running back a lot, that's a bad sign. Even though that Malachi and Branch, those guys are ball hawks, they'll go get it. You want to keep those guys off of the running backs as as much as possible because if they're making the tackles, then your front sevens can gash somewhere. So I think that's going to depend on the front four. But, of course, you always want guys like Branch and Malachi coming in, cleaning up. Those guys are ball hawks, forcing turnovers. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll love to see, you know, once maybe 32 gets somebody wrapped up, let's get Branch in there to strip the ball or something. But regardless, those guys are playmakers. I'm going to ask this, and then we'll do our score predictions. We'll break down the game, you know, individually. But I have to ask, if Alabama does not win this national championship, is it the biggest disappointment in Alabama football history regarding a championship game? We know how bad 2018 was. You had you had Tua in this high-powered offense. But there's a lot of rumors that Loxley had checked out. Tua was basically on one leg. He was on a surgically repaired ankle, um, even though he had looked good against Oklahoma um, in the in the first round of the playoff. We knew this was a different breed. Clemson just showed up and blew and blew out blew the doors off of Alabama. So, as disappointing as that was, when you win seven out of fifteen possible awards and they're all offensive, and then you have the second place in the Jim Thorpe Award and second place in the Lou Groza. J-Law, if Alabama loses this game, how big of a disappointment is it? Uh, I, I think it's the one that you start scratching your head and saying, these are the ones that at the beginning of the saving tenure that they won. Now, it's like you're never – like you're, you're really good, but you're no longer at the mountaintop of college football. Listen, this is – uh, from an award standpoint, from a what this whole year looked like, from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint, this is LSU from last year. And you saw LSU go get it done with Joe Burrow and get it done with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I'm not sure that we have a true upgrade from Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but you have an upgrade for, from um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Najee Harris. I think Mac Jones, just from a – game perspective from a quarterback perspective has been just as good if not better which the numbers will tell you than Joe Burrow you have to go out and win this game I think 2018 hurt bad I'm glad I didn't go Chase I'm glad you were there not me but from a full year perspective how dominant you've been you've really had one game where you felt like you could have lost that game and that was Ole Miss you were ahead the whole Florida game it got within six you go down and score, they score, then eventually the game ends. I mean, I never felt nervous about the Florida game. You've played one game this year where you were up in arms about how you were going to play. You pretty much dominated everybody else. You dominate in the college football playoff, and now you're going to come out here against Ohio State. I think you got to finish the job. And there's a lot of guys on this team, guys, that were on that team from 2018 that got their doors blown off, as Chase put it. Uh, I think they remember that. It's not a great feeling, and this has been all business, and I think Sark – is not Mike Loxley. He's not checking out. Um, who cares if Pete Golding checks out? Most of the time, it looks like he's not there anyways. So, uh, I don't know, man. 
it, it would be disappointing, and I think it would definitely be from I I wasn't alive in the seventies, so I don't know. But to, to me, this would this would be an absolute heartbreaker. Yeah, when when you go through an all SEC schedule, and you know your closest games like fifteen points or whatever it was, and maybe it was a Missouri Missouri game. I don't know until you get to the SEC championship. Um, you just you you beat the hell out of every team you play, and as dominant as they are, and then. You know, it's just like I said with all these awards and and just all the seniors that came back with Leatherwood and Smith and then um, Najee and then Max stepping into the role that he did. Sarkeesian, Nick Saban's talked all week in his interviews about how Sark is exactly where he needs to be. Um, he hasn't had any problems with anybody on the coaching staff. Lester, how and, and you know, and I don't want to forecast and say I think we're going to lose the game, but I'm just saying if it happens, how big of a disappointment would this be to – you know, just how how big of a disappointment would it be to Tide Nation? I think it'll be it'll be massive. Um, right now, in in my personal book, I think the biggest disappointment was twenty sixteen. With that that great defense that Alabama had, um, that one really sucked losing to Clemson. But with all the award winners, well, I mean, Lester, you know, in that game, I mean, you lost Kiffin. I mean, Saban basically got so frustrated with Kiffin. Right. That he wouldn't let him finish the season, and that was 100% Kiffin's fault. But, you know, you had Sark come in, who had been an analyst for a couple of months. Now, all of a sudden, he's got to step up and call a game. Probably doesn't even have relationships with half the players. And then Jalen was incompetent. He couldn't throw. Um, and so that limits your ability as a play caller. And, and, and so, I mean, but just – it seems there's a lot of distractions in, and it seems like there aren't any now. Alabama's got – the healthiest team that it's had and probably five, probably since 2016, but then Bo Scarborough broke his leg in the second and third quarter, whatever it was. And, um, and so, yeah, I think this would be a much bigger disappointment, but go ahead continue. Yeah. But now, um, well, I kind of lost my turn to talk, but yeah, yeah. This team with, you know, setting the points record, 35 points and so many consecutive games till Saban decided to stop that because the team's getting too much praise for it. Um, this team, this will this will be the biggest disappointment, especially with the best offensive coordinator in the country. I just they, this is just a perfect storm. I don't see a reason why Alabama would lose this game, and the sporting books, the fans, everybody's expecting Alabama to win. Too many things have gone right for Alabama this year. This team has looked too good, too dominant to slip up last game of the year. Let's go ahead. Let's stay with Lester. Tell me why Alabama wins the game. Give me a score prediction. Do we want to make a bet on this? I know I said that I was going to keep up with everybody's scores in our group text. I'm sorry that I think I stopped after like the fourth or fifth game. I mean, just got too busy and forgot about it. But we'll make a bet right now on Gump Runners. What do we want to bet? What, I mean, what are we thinking? I don't know. Uh. I'm going to do $10. You want to do a steak bet? I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can do. Well, steaks would be good. I've never, I haven't seen Lester in six years, so I don't know how we're going to work that out. It could be a case of being the lake. <laughs> yeah, if we can get J-Law to the lake. Yeah, well, let's say we'll do a steak bet. We'll say whoever whoever wins, um, the other two have to have to bring, let's just say steak and potatoes. And uh, and then they they split the cost at the late next year. We'll, we'll say that. So Lester, give me a breakdown of this game, the last one of the year. 
We're in episode 18, going for number 18. Give me a breakdown. Give me a score prediction. All right, breakdown. Defense, get a couple stops. That's all the offense needs. The offense will not be stopped by anybody. Um, Let's offense keep the game clean. No turnovers, continue to play. I don't know who on Ohio State is going to guard Smitty and Waddle. We haven't even brought the guy's name up this year, uh, today. Um, hopefully he'll play well. Um, I'm going to say, wow, 45-31 Bama. I'm going to go with that, 45-31 so Bama. Lester's going, Lester's going 14. That's a big, Lester, I don't know. I mean, we've won a lot of these games big. I mean, we've lost we've won them close we've lost won them big we've lost them big we've lost them close uh to me in this game so sean if wade covers six who is matching up with 19 who's matching up with eight who's matching up with 18 who's matching up with 17 who's matching up with 87 that's just such a nightmare for ohio state that i think that their number one objective has to be to put pressure on Mac Jones. I don't think that they can sit back and worry about who's covering everybody. You have to cut the the head off the snake before it can bite you. Because if you let Mac Jones sit back there for three seconds, something's going over your head or they're finding Najee out of the backfield and Najee's going to take it some distance, which is normally foul band with Najee out of the backfield is probably 10 to 20 yards when he catches the ball out of the backfield. So if you're Ohio State, I think you got to try to get pressure on Mac Jones. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams try to do this, guys. We've seen teams try to keep everything in front of them. It just, it's, it's just been how have they wanted to lose to Alabama, not that it actually worked. Ohio State's got better athletes. Probably the athlete for athlete, probably the best team we've seen since Georgia, who had a very marginal quarterback in Stetson Bennett. Um, offensively, I think I'd still give that edge to Florida and Caltrass with a fully loaded Florida offense with Pitts and Tony and everybody else. For Alabama's defense, stop Olave, win in the trenches. You can't get stretched out if you're the linebackers. You got to keep everything inside on the running game with Trey Sermon. And I think you got to you got to test Justin Fields early, right? I mean, he's banked up, he's been hit. You don't know how he's feeling. He's playing ping pong. That's fine. I guarantee there's a big difference in playing ping pong and taking a hit on your ribs from Anderson or Moses or Barmore, somebody 300 pounds laying on you. Man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I, I think it's a 48 to – I think it's a 45-38 game with about a couple minutes left, and then the Luke Rosa snub, Will Riker, booms in about a 42-yarder to put Bama up 10 with about two minutes to go, and they win this one 48-38. In South Beach, and our boy Drew's gonna get to witness a, a Natty championship. So I'll be I'll be happy for him. How long did you say the field goal was from Riker? Forty-two yards. Forty-two yards. I hear you. I, I think the wild card in this game is Justin Fields um, and, and his health. Of course, you know Ohio State. Um, I thought at first that they said they weren't releasing injury updates just because he was hurt worse than he was. But then I found out after doing some digging that. Ohio State has never released injury reports, whether it was uh, Ryan Day or Urban Meyer, whoever. Um, that's just not what they do. So nobody really knows how, how how hurt he is. I mean, everybody saw the hit. You can guess that he might have bruised or cracked some ribs um, right there. It's on his throwing side. And, and, you know, he'll be shot up with quarters on him. And how much does he favor? How much how, – how, 
How sore is he? How much has he been practicing? These are just questions that nobody knows. And I think he is the biggest wild card that we've seen in any national championship game in a long, long time because there's just so many question marks around his around his health that, you know, even in 2021, we have all this social media. Nobody can figure it out because, you know, everybody puts out false reports and nobody knows what's true and what's not. Everybody believes everything as long as it's on Twitter. So I think he's, you know, I said for years, you've got to have elite quarterback play to win a championship. And this year, I was wrong about Mac Jones. I'll admit that. I thought that he was a very, very good quarterback. I did not think that he was elite enough to win a national championship. He has proven me wrong. He has proven hundreds of thousands of Alabama fans wrong. Um, So can his elite quarterback play carry him to the finish line, basically? And can Justin Fields put together a replica performance of what he did against Clemson Again, in, in 10 days, he's 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 hurt, he's sore, um, he might have skipped. We don't know what it is, so can, is he healthy enough? Has he had enough reps to face the best secondary that he's faced all year? And, you know, I think they rely on Sermon a lot with the ground game early. I think they might mix in some some easy throws, maybe some some bubble routes, some hitches, maybe a couple of screens, maybe a slant or two here or there, just to make sure Justin's okay and they you know to get him kind of settled in the pocket. Um, but I think they're really going to rely on the uh, on the running back Trey Sermon in in the ground game. And another thing I think is big is that how many design quarterback runs is Justin Fields going to get? How many zone reads are they going to do where they're going to give? Justin feels the option to pull it and tuck it and take a hit on those ribs because obviously he doesn't he doesn't like to slide. He's a competitor, I get that, but it's a quarterback, you gotta be smart sometimes. So how many plays are they gonna call, you know, where they just call a straight handoff relative to, you know, Justin being able to read a backside defender and then blocking an extra guy in the box and then, you know, letting a guy go so so he can get a read on them, perhaps tucking it and trying to get some yards himself. Also the rollout passing game. You know, when, when, the, when the pocket breaks down, his scrambling ability, there's a lot to think about with him. And I think he's the wild card of this game. Um, I think Alabama's offense is going to score no matter what. I don't think Ohio State has the horses. You heard, um, you heard J-Law talking about if so-and-so's covering Devonta, then um, who's got Mechie? Who's got Waddle? Who's got Najee out of the backfield? Who's got Billingsley? Who's got Forrestal? Mac has done a good job of spreading the wealth whenever he has to. Devonta's always the first read. <clears throat> we'll see how we'll see how much of a factor Jalen plays. Um, like I said on the last podcast, I don't expect him to play probably 25, 30 plays. I expect him to be on a pitch count. And we'll see how comfortable he feels and um, see how comfortable we are with, with getting the ball to him and letting him try to do some damage, and especially in the vertical passing game. So there's just there's a lot that could happen here. I think Fields is probably a little more banged up than he than we've been led on to believe. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna say 42-38 tied. You know, I said there's there's a 10 percent of me feels that they could blow them out, but for for the majority, I think it's gonna be a close game. The game gets into the fourth quarter. I'm not predicting a late field goal or anything, but uh, 
42-38 tied. Well, all righty then. <laughs> a close one. Well, I'm sure to make it really interesting. We all had it close except for Lester, who predicted a, an ass whooping. And and thing is, Lester was like, Lester was leading the score prediction contest that we had for, you know, until we stopped. Probably, that's probably why I stopped doing it because I didn't want to give Lester another trophy. I've already had to give him like two baseball trophies and fantasy and then a football fantasy trophy. Three straight, three straight in baseball. Either three way. straight in baseball. He, he's whooping everybody right now in fantasy basketball because my whole team is hurt. But uh, yeah, I just, I guess I just didn't want to give Lester another trophy. So I, uh, I just quit doing it all together and then blamed it on something else. But uh, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see 14 points as a, as just out of the realm of possibility though, man. I really do think that. It depends on I, what happens. You know yeah, what I mean? If right. Alabama scores late to make it 14, I can see that, but I don't see them I don't see it halftime being a 28 to 10 game. And then Ohio State is playing from behind and trying like like, like the Clemson Ohio State game was. I don't see it playing out like that. I see it being you know within 10 at halftime, maybe Ohio State taking a lead, but I think if Alabama wins by 14, it's going to have to come from a touchdown in the last 3 minutes from Alabama. Yeah, I can, I can agree fair. with that, but I can also I can also see this thing being Clemson cannot stop Ohio State after the first drive that Ohio State got the ball and I think punted it away. This is to me. I look at Alabama's defense. We're better in the back end of our defense. Uh, we're better at linebacker, and a lot of people hate on Dylan Moses, but we're better. Dylan Moses and Chris Harris are better than Skowski. I think they're faster. They get to sidelines better. Um, Nolan Turner. I know we hit on him last week, but he can't play for Alabama in the back end. Um, this isn't it. When's the last time somebody was just running behind our secondary? I know it's busted coverage against Florida, but it hasn't like it just hasn't been somebody just running by us, and we're just lost all the time. So when I look at it, it's not going to be as easy for Ohio State. And Alabama has played defenses, guys, as good as Ohio State. They have, and nothing stopped them yet. Yeah, the, the Georgia defense was really good. Of course, that was a long time ago. But, you know, you had Jalen Waddle, And, you know, I think as much as – not as much as Fields, but I think Jalen's another wild card. I mean, if he is in the game, you know the defense has to pay attention to him. They have to be aware of where he is. But are you going to take it to the – are you going to take advantage of the fact that, you know, maybe they're not shading him the way they need to and maybe we do need to throw a shot to him? Um, that was me personally – I'd line him up the first play of the game in the slot, tell him to run as far as he can, just tell Matt to overthrow him by 10 yards, you know? I mean, just to let them know, just go ahead and stretch them out. Because once you do that, those safeties start backing up. That opens up your run game. That opens up your medium passing game. That opens up a lot. And uh, so, I mean, (laughs) you know, that's another thing. How much are we going to use Jalen? Lester, we're about to wrap it up, man. It's been a fun year. We're going to continue the podcast through basketball season, I believe. Um, as long as Lester keeps coming on here with me, man, we're going to go back to trying to get some guests. Uh, I know JL has been pumped up, so we're glad to have him um, for these last uh, couple of couple of podcasts. And um, we hope that he continues to come on with us. But anything you want to say about the year in general, about the Natty, before we before we uh, before we get out of here? Um. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw tomorrow, I think everybody needs to kind of look back and appreciate the past 
well, I guess since Saban's been to Alabama, uh, as, as Chase has said, as I've said before, I'm not an Alabama fan, but uh, I've had a lot of family, great aunts, great uncles go to Alabama. I've always been aware, always watched games, um, always watched Alabama and stuff. But since I've met Chase and actually, especially his dad, his dad would always talk to me, whether it be at the lake or something, we talk, get talking about football. He's like, man, enjoy it. Like, literally, just enjoy it, you know? Because, you know, that's a drought went from 92 to 2011 where it was a crap show from Alabama football for a long time. So that's just, just one thing from, from Jamie Thornton, from Chase Thornton, down to me. I'm telling y'all, since they can't tell you, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Amen to that. Can I have said it better myself? You know, I – I sent uh, sent y'all a text. I was like, imagine if, you know, <clears throat> it, it could be worse. It could be. Worse. I'm not going to go through the text, but it could be worse. Uh, you could be assembling a group of five staff and to try to compete in the SEC West. But uh, that's something we'll get into get into next week. J Law, what you got, man? Last last words, last thoughts before the Natty game. Hey, as Lester said, enjoy it, guys. This is fun. I think this is one that Alabama wins. I think they're going to pull home 18. Saban's going to win his seventh national title as a head coach. Love you guys. And roll tide. Man, big roll tide to all our listeners. We we appreciate everybody listening to this, Um, whether you listen every week or um, whether you're listening for the first time today. We appreciate all of it. Um, And uh, we hope you guys continue to stay with us. We hope you everybody cheers on the tide. Um, roll Tide, let's go get 18. Um, for episode 18, uh, 2020 Gump Runners Podcast, I guess it's really 2021 Gump Runners Podcast. Now I need to start saying that. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell, we're out of here.